Grace and peace to you from our Lord Jesus Christ in the United Methodist Church of Uniontown. I'm Vicar Derek Kabilis, and this is Exile Cast for March the 2nd in the year of our Lord 2021. So obviously, since that whole 60 minutes thing, I've gotten some angry emails and some frustrated phone calls and even a few uh, interesting, shall we say, collages that were sent to my office. But you know what, Uh, beyond all of that, there have been so many more folks who have reached out to say thank you for what I said. Folks that have shared their experiences, that are looking for hope in the midst of a difficult time, that are trying to rebuild relationships and reach out to friends and family. Among them all, however, there was one note I got via snail mail that sticks out way above the rest. It was a note from a Catholic who was from maybe Texas, I think, and he told me about this tradition I had never heard before. If you recall, the final thing that I said on 60 Minutes that was at the sort of very end of the episode was something like, now we have to go about the work of untying this knot. And this person wrote me a letter and he said that down in Argentina... The Virgin Mary is known primarily as Our Lady, the Undoer of Knots. And that just really struck me. You know, when I'm thinking about the things that are happening right now, whether it's with COVID or all this QAnon stuff or just the the politics and the complications of living in this frenetic technological society, it all just kind of feels like a knot, you know? I remember when my grandpa used to take out the Christmas lights to decorate his house in early December. Now, he, he loved putting out those lights on his front porch and up the railings and all that stuff. But the problem was he never put them back in the box in an orderly way after Christmas. So the next year, he would have to just sit in this chair of his for hours, cursing and cussing, doing the tedious work of untying the very knots he himself created. I think that's an apt metaphor for the spiritual life, you know? We all have knots in our lives that need to be untied. 
And the truth is, sometimes we get stuck in them, like a net or a web, and we feel like we can't grow. We can't move forward until we undo the knots that are already there, the knots we ourselves created, the knots we tighten with our own selfishness and pride. And so it takes perseverance, you know. It takes tenacity. It takes, uh, perhaps above all things, patience. You can't just get it done in a minute and move on with your life. No, you gotta sit with it, like my grandpa in the chair, and hopefully not cuss too much while you're at it. That's what these 40 days of Lent are all about, I think. Taking the time to sit in your chair and going over your life and your heart, moving the fingers of your mind throughout your spirit and asking the Holy Spirit to help you unravel the loops and the kinks twists and turns. I wanted to share a prayer with you today that I think speaks to that struggle. Holy God, take into your hands the ribbon of my life. See the snarl of knots that keeps me bound to sin, anxiety, and hopelessness. I beg you, dear Lord, by the power of your spirit and with the long fingers of your love and grace, undo the knots of my heart. Free me to love as you love and to live a life untethered. Christ's name I pray. Amen. We have a sermon for you today, and I hope you'll stick around. Our scripture lesson today comes from the book of Genesis, chapter 17, and verse verses 1 through 7 and 15 through 16. Hear the word of the Lord. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless, and I will make my covenant between me and you and will make you exceedingly numerous. Then Abram fell on his face, and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You shall be the ancestor of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be Abram, but you shall be Abraham. For I have made you the ancestor of a multitude of nations. 
I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. I will establish my covenant between me and you, and your offspring after you, throughout their generations, for an everlasting covenant, to be God to you, and to your offspring after you. God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she will give rise to nations. Kings of peoples shall come from her. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. I wish to preach to you today from the title, The Wild Ride. The Wild Ride. Please pray with me. And now, most holy and merciful God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we ask that the words of my mouth and that the meditations of all of our hearts would be acceptable in your sight. O oh God, you are our rock into our Redeemer. Amen. So I can still remember waiting in that line, nine years old, looking up at my grandmother and asking in all sincerity, are you sure you want to do this? And she said, of course, why wouldn't I? And then the other patrons in line started tapping her on the shoulder saying hey lady you know this is a rough one maybe you should just sit on the bench and watch your grandkids well she would have none of that she just kept her head up and kept moving forward finally i started getting nervous i pled with her one last time grandma you got to understand, this is the raging wolf bobs we're talking about here. The roughest, most herky-jerky death trap of a roller coaster in all of Geauga Lake and in probably the world. I love you, but I just don't want anything bad to happen to you. My grandma let out a deep sigh. And looked down at me lovingly and said, I brought you and your sister here today because I love you and because I want us to have fun together. She said, I love stuff like this. It makes me feel like I'm still young. So we wound our way through the maze of turnstiles and up the rickety steps and an attendant had to come and awkwardly help her step down into the car. And the bar came down and the train took off down the tracks. 
Now, any other time, I would have been thrilled to be riding a roller coaster, but that day, as we tore over the bumps and rammed through the turns, all I could think about was my grandma's sensitive stomach getting twisted up or her frail bones shattering. And finally, after the torturous ride was over and the train pulled to a stop, I remember looking over to see what was left of my grandma in the chair, the the seat, only to see her staring back at me with big, wide eyes and a smile stretched across her face. And she asked, You want to go again? Now, I share that story with you because I was blessed by that day. I was blessed because I knew my grandmother loved me enough to take that long walk with me up those rickety stairs and fold her body into that uncomfortable seat and take a journey back in time. Now, she hadn't felt the twists and turns of a roller coaster in decades, and no one would have blamed her for sitting that one out, for watching from the sidelines or going off to get a lemonade, but because she wanted to connect with us, because she wanted to be a blessing to me and my sister, she did something that was completely and radically inconsistent with her age. And in that moment, it was like she was reborn. When we catch up with him in our story today, Abram is 99 years old. He's well past the point in his life when no one would blame him for slowing down. No one would blame him for for wanting to take it easy, for sitting back and kicking up his feet and enjoying what he has left of his golden years and peace and tranquility. Yet this is the very moment when God decides that he has plans for Abram and that Abram is going to be a part in one more story that he's got one more blessing to give the world through this very tired old man I will make you exceedingly fruitful God says I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. I will establish my covenant between us, your offspring throughout the generations, for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your offspring after you. Now what you have to understand is at this point... Abram and Sarai didn't have kids. And and it's not like they just made a decision that they weren't going to have them. No, they couldn't conceive. And it hurt them terribly. They thought that, that 
God apparently didn't want Sarai to to be able to give birth to children. That God made her womb, quote, barren, as they put it. It hurt them so much that Sarai even had one of her slaves, uh, Hagar, go in and, 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 and conceive a child with Abram. And then, of course, Sarai got jealous and sent Hagar and the child away. It was this whole mess, right? But the point is that Abram was 99 and Sarai was 90. It's hard enough to imagine them even making a child, let alone keeping up with a toddler. That they would bear a child together was nothing less than a ridiculous idea put forth by an absolutely ridiculous God. To speak of life amidst those who are approaching death to bear fruit in a barren womb. And back then, please realize, to not have children was seen as an unmistakable tragedy or maybe even a curse. Children were understood to be the greatest blessing that that God had to give and in in having children allowed you to have more workers for your home for your farm or or to help you build a house or tend to your livestock and beyond all that at this point in history that's how they conceived of eternal life we're talking about the Bronze Age here. They didn't, they didn't have ideas about heaven and hell at this point. No, they talked about living on through the seed, gaining immortality through the lives of your children. And so the plain fact of it was not having kids not only meant that you missed out on the joy of, of, of raising them and playing with them and seeing them grow, but it also meant that you were probably destined to be poor. And maybe even <clears throat> that you had no hope for eternal life. Unfortunately... Let me tell you, this stigma has not gone away. I can't tell you how many couples I've spoken to over the years who get on their knees every night and pray for a child. Those who have struggled to conceive, have gone to doctors, sought out medical intervention, and it never happens for them, and they feel as if they're being robbed in life, or or cheated out of something, or even like they have been cursed. And I'm sorry to say, but the church, uh, the church often reinforces that stigma today. You know, sometimes when folks use the term, quote, Christian family values, they make it sound as if you don't have children, if you aren't able to conceive, then you've missed the boat on being a full-fledged Christian. 
some preachers make it sound almost as if life just isn't worth living without kids. As if it only takes the proper amount of faith to let anyone get pregnant. If you just pray hard enough, they seem to say. If your belief is big enough. If you only claim that miracle then God would surely bless you with all the children you could possibly want. And then if God doesn't do that, well, then there must be something wrong with you, right? They may not say that outright, but that's the, that's the story that comes across. But that way of thinking is not only harmful, and hurtful but it actually misses the point of this story entirely you see at the time in the ancient near east the god of abram was a very peculiar god the place where abram lived was largely dominated by other gods like Baal and Uto and Helios and Moloch. And, and for them, children were all a sign of divine approval. That, that if you were good enough, then they would deign to bestow upon you a child. And if you couldn't have children, then it meant that you were cursed by those gods. Your inability to conceive was seen as an indicator or a, a symbol of your badness, your unworthiness to bear and care for children. That's what paganism teaches. That your ability to have kids is somehow tied to your worth that the size of your family is somehow related to your righteousness as a person. But in our God's story, Abram and Sarai precisely don't have faith. <laughs> they aren't naming and claiming their miracle. They don't even believe God when he tells them the first time they'll have a child. That's why they concoct the whole scheme with with Hagar, and, and by the way, they didn't even ask her if she was okay with it. And then God tells Abram and Sarai that the two of them will have a child at age 90 and 99. And they laugh in his face. No. See, that's not it. The miracle of the story is not that God gives Abram and Sarai a new baby because they have so much faith. The miracle of the story is that God gives them a baby to teach them how to live new lives to grow faith in themselves. It's not just that Isaac was born. It's that Abram and Sarai are 
reborn. That their life together begins anew at 90 and 99. That they are starting all over again from the beginning, dealing with changing diapers and in late night feedings, skin knees, bad dreams, potty training, all of it at 99 years old. Together, they're embarking on this, this new and difficult journey, taking one more ride on the bumpy roller coaster of life, and it's all because they follow a God for whom age is no barrier, for whom worthiness is no barrier, for whom belief or lack thereof is no barrier. <clears throat> and it isn't just about Abraham and Sarah finally having a kid of their own. It's about them building a nation. It's about them building a community of faith in the midst of a fallen world and that's something each and every one of us are called to do my mom likes to ask me when maggie and i are planning on having kids and i always give her the same answer i tell her geez mom i have like 120 already <laughs> Right? Talking about the folks in the pews or now with COVID out in their cars every week. And I don't mean to be offensive and insinuate that you all are my children or that I'm some sort of father. But what I do have are 120 people for whom I carry a responsibility. 120 who require my attention and my care. 120 who need guidance and a shoulder to cry on now and then. And the thing is, that goes for each and every one of you. I don't care if you have no kids or if you have kids that have had kids that have had kids. The fact is, we are all part of that nation of interconnected lives brought to life in Sarah's womb. We are all part of that kingdom family that God gave to be a blessing to the world. And you know what? We are all being reborn to lives and new journeys and new responsibilities each and every day. And for our church in Uniontown here, we have never been reborn like we are being reborn right now. Having been turned out of our ch church building for just shy of a year, in March, the church council will meet and decide when it is again that we might be able to use our sanctuary and our Sunday school rooms and our nursery. In our little church, will be born again to a new time and a new era. 
But as we go through this together, what I want you to remember is that we aren't just talking about opening a church building. We're talking about building the church. We're not talking about going back in time. What we're talking about is embracing a new future, charting a new course, setting out on a new path. And if you want everything to be just like it was before all of this, then I'm sorry to tell you, you're, you might be disappointed. No, just like baby Isaac, we're going to have to learn how to crawl before we walk and walk before we run. And with any new birth, I can guarantee that there will be pain and tears along the way. But no one ever promised us that new life would be smooth. No one ever promised us that it would be easy. No, most of the time, getting a new life from God is just like getting on a roller coaster with all the hills and the bumps and the twists and the turns and you can feel it in your aching joints for days but god does make one promise to us he says that he'll be right beside us riding right along the whole way. So what do you say? You want to go again? These words I offer to you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now truth be told, there is one more part of the story that I left out, okay? After our second ride on the Raging Wolf Bobs, Grandma cut short our trip. She cut it short by a, a couple of hours and, and, and told us that we had to go home right away. And I wasn't too upset by that because we had already had such a great day, but I always wondered why it was that we had to leave in such a hurry. Did she hurt herself on the roller coaster? Was she feeling queasy? She didn't say. It wasn't until years later that I found out the real reason we had to go home. Apparently... On that second ride down the tracks, my dear grandmother broke a bra strap. And she just refused to walk around the rest of the day like that. <laughs> Friends, it's not easy to try to be young again. It's not easy to come out of retirement and do something new and hard or even dangerous. And you're going to get tired. You're not going to be as limber as you used to be. You might even break a few straps along the way. But I can tell you, it's all going to be a wild ride 
and a whole lot of fun. And now may the love of God, the grace and peace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit go with you and be with you, now and always. Amen.